Amen. The Lord's good, isn't he? Wasn't that a great uh, video? Okay. And we have the opposite spirit here. That's what I want to say. We don't want to kill babies. We want babies to be born and we want babies to live. Amen. So let me make my one political statement this morning that I'm going to make is, this is my view, is never vote for any person who believes in killing children. You hear what I'm saying? Never vote. Because when you vote for someone who kills children, you are, you are in, in essence, participating in that. Okay? So that's a practical way you and I can, can make a stand. Okay? Is we don't vote for people who kill babies. Now, that's just, just the way it is. At least that's the way I feel it is anyway. That's what I'm doing. Thank you, Lord. The Lord's good, isn't he? Okay. Let me just try to do this. Wow. Um, I wanted to tell you uh, a few things here. Uh, let me just read this scripture to you. You know, the Lord really does have something amazing he wants to release. I really believe that. I saw this recently, and it was just such, just such a powerful thing. Uh, and we were really singing it this morning. Um, but I saw an atmosphere from heaven come. And it, it was like any, nothing like I've ever experienced in my entire life. It was, it was the most beautiful colors, like nothing on earth. And we were in that atmosphere. God brought that atmosphere to this church and gave us that atmosphere. And, yeah, amen. And, uh, you know, God makes room for things. Uh, one of the things I saw though, over and over, it was like, I was telling Becky, it was like a projector, but nothing like a, a, a normal projector. It projected everywhere, all over the place. And there was this one phrase, uh, Jesus is King. And, and the Lord was making room, though, for things, Okay? But any time those things begin to infringe upon him being king, in other words, any time those things begin to take more focus than they rightly deserve, it was like, don't let that happen. Okay? Don't let that happen. Even the good things, even the wonderful things that we're involved in in life, even the godly things we're involved in life, is we can't never let anything take us away from, from Christ being the center. Because when we do that, we diminish who he is in our own eyes. And if we'll allow the Lord to really be the king, then he'll let that atmosphere rest on us and stay on us. And that's, that's the goal, right? Amen. Well, I wish you'd have been there with me when I saw that. You would have been differently responding. <laughs> because I believe it's coming and I'm living for it. Amen. Let me read this scripture to you, Luke four eighteen through 19. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for He has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the... Uh, God, I can't hardly really read this morning. That's nothing new, right? That captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. And then in verse 21, it says, Then he began to speak to them. This script, the scriptures you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. That was Jesus' uh, inaugural message uh, that he gave. And a lot of people call it Jesus' mission statement. And that comes right out of Isaiah 61. I'd like to encourage you, if you want to get a better picture of the heart of Jesus, is read Isaiah 61. It's a very short chapter. In, in the Bible, but it really kind of begins, it's a foundation of revealing what Jesus, what's in Jesus' heart, how he feels. And so people call this Jesus' Nazareth Manifesto. You know, a manifesto is typically a political statement stating what you're going to do, your purpose in life. And, and well, that really was his purpose in life right here. And so I think if you want to really tap into the, to the heart of Jesus, uh, this is a way to tap into his his heart, and he talked about different people here that he wanted to, to help. He talked about the poor people. He talked about captives. 
Uh, he, he talked about blind people. Uh, he talked about oppressed people. And so that's really what he wants to do um, is this can be spiritual or this can be literal, physical. Uh, it can be literal people who are sitting behind bars this morning or it could be people who are bound and captured in their hearts with, with whatever. Um, and he wants to do something about it. That word oppressed there is an amazing word. Uh, the oppressed will be set free. It, that word literally means broken to bits. Broken to bits. And so we live in a world where, where many people's lives are just shattered. It may, they may not be shattered outwardly, but inwardly they're just shattered. They're just destroyed on the inside because of what's happened to them in life. Okay? Everybody in life will go through things that are going to disappoint us and hurt us. There's probably not a person in this room who hasn't at some point been rejected. And that hurts it's hurtful when you're, even when it's just a little rejection, like you didn't get uh, selected to the team. That hurts a person. But then there's a whole other layer of rejection that people go through in life. And so, you know, t- terrible things that we don't even want to talk about that people go through. And they grow up wounded and hurt. And we spend millions and millions and millions, literally billions of dollars trying to medicate people and, and trying to help them cope with life, cope with the things inside of them that are slowly but surely destroying them. You know, I remember one years ago there was this black guy from Africa named Suppressa. And he said, this, he said this, this guy was a, is a, an amazing guy. But he said, you Americans are some of the, you're the most wealthy people in the world. You have everything you want. You have all the food, all the comforts, but you're the most medicated people in the world. You're the most medicated people in the world. There's something wrong, you know, when we hear stuff like that from an African guy who lives, you know, roughly, lives a rough life. And seeing that he had something, he had the joy of the Lord. And he's looking at a people who should have the joy of the Lord. But instead, we're medicated. People do all kinds of things. We self-medicate. We do things to cope. We, we do things to, to, to try to somehow take care of that thing inside of you that's broken and hurting. Whether it's drugs or, or alcohol or, or prescription medicine. But ultimately, at the end of the day, Jesus said, I've come to deal with this. Okay? And God really wants to release that into the earth. He really wants to, to bring His power that He said, because He said right here, this scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled. Not will be fulfilled. It has been fulfilled. And so this power, this anointing that Jesus carried on Him it's available for us, okay? It's really available. And I think that's really what the Lord wants us to know this morning. Um, I wanted to t- say something about the Gospels. You know, we have one Gospel, right? There's only one Gospel. There's not four Gospels. <laughs> There's not all these other Gospels. There's a lot of fake Gospels out there. There's a a gospel according to Thomas. I don't know if y'all have ever heard about that one. Don't even worry about it. Uh, I found a new one recently somebody was telling me about. It's the gospel uh, of psychedelics. Yeah, oh, it's terrible. Trust me, you don't want to go there. The gospel, literally, literally. These people have this whole theology built around psychedelic drugs and how it's all through the Bible. And that's how everything operated. That's how Jesus worked. I'm thinking, this is insanity. There's, there's one gospel. There's four accounts that we've been given. And these four accounts are given to us so we can get a perspective of Jesus. A little bit of a, each one of them has a little bit of, a bit of a different view of who Jesus Christ is. And God's given us that so we could all begin to know him to know what he's like, to know the different things that he, that he cares about, and to know the different things that he wants to do. They all, you know, like, for, for instance, the Gospel of Matthew really dials in on this theme that we sang this morning, King Jesus. It's all about him being king and about all his lordship. Actually, I think the, the, the term 
the kingdom of heaven only appears, I think it's 50 something times in the Gospel of Matthew and does not appear anywhere else in the Bible. They trace his genealogy back to Abraham, not back to Adam. Back to Abraham. That's the whole genealogy to prove that he's the son of David, to prove that he's the king. You see, that's what the Gospel of Matthew is trying to, trying to help us to see. This, there's a king. He has a kingdom. He's a rightful king. And then you have the Gospel of Mark. He has very little to say about He don't even give Jesus' genealogy. He don't give much of Jesus' teaching. He jumps right into Jesus' miracles and Jesus' power. It was all about being a servant. That's what he said in Mark 10. The Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve. That's what Mark wants us to know about. That's, there was this servant that came to the earth that wants to serve mankind. And then the Gospel of John, which, you know, everybody loves the Gospel of John, right? Really, it's about the heavenly man, he who came down from heaven. It talks about the spirituality of Jesus, the heart of Jesus, what's really in him, what's really in his heart, and how what he feels about things, and his whole spirituality. It's very, very powerful when you begin to, to read these Gospels and keeping that in mind, what, it's trying to, what they're trying to get to you. Notice I skipped over to Mark, the Gospel of Luke on purpose because that's really what I want to talk to you just a little bit about this morning is the Gospel of Luke. Uh, I love all the Gospels. The Gospel of John has been very powerful in my life for many years because I like the spiritual, Okay? That's what I love. That's what I want to be involved in is, is the heavenly. But God began to talk to me about something else. And when God begins to talk to you about something different than what you love, it would behoove you to begin to listen to that versus what you just love. Because he's been known to dry up brooks. Now you hear what I'm saying to you? To move you away from that to something he wants to reveal to you. So if you'd like to keep your brook of your favorite little pet doctrines going, when he begins to talk about another pet doctrine, you might want to slide over there for a little bit and start listening to that. And the Gospel of Luke is just an amazing gospel. It's the most wordy gospel of all of them. It has two of my absolute favorite stories there is in it. It's in Luke 15, the parable of the prodigal father or son, however you want to title it, which has just been like life for me for years. It's one of the stories in the Bible that I go over in my mind a lot because I've lived, I've lived all three of those characters in there. I've lived as a prodigal father. I know what it feels like to be rejected by your children. It's the most painful thing you ever feel in your life. I've also been an elder brother in my life, very religious and foolish in my thinking and judgmental and critical. I know what that feels like, and I know what that does to you, and I know how destructive that is. That's one of the most destructive things there is. And I've also been a prodigal. You know, I get prodigal. I get that feeling of wanting to drift away. I get that feeling of I don't feel satisfied by God. I feel like this over here may satisfy me. But I don't want nobody to know that. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I bet y'all don't think that way. But So I've been a prodigal. I mean, I've been embraced by God in my worst moments. I was thinking about, are y'all good? I was thinking about this morning when I was down in, in uh, the Andes Mountains a couple years ago, right? Three years ago we were down there and... And I was probably not in a great place in my life. I wasn't, in, I wasn't in a place of wanting to sin. I was just in a place of pain and hurt. And I just was kind of being had. I felt like I was just sort of hiding out. Okay? That's, that's the way it felt to me. Is I'm just hiding out until somehow God shows up and helps me. And I can remember one morning I got up real early before everybody else did and went outside and started went down the road and sit on this rock. This is in the Andes Mountains. It was high up there where we were at. And, uh, in fact, you don't want to go up there unless you can deal high. You get sick up there, but don't go for a run no matter what. <laughs> you will get sick. 
But I can remember the sun coming up on these mountains. It's the most unusual sunrise there is because these mountains, these colors that came off these mountains are wild because these mountains have these different colors on them. And it just, and, and I saw this sunrise and I heard the Lord speak to me. What we sang this morning, you know, his love, what is it? His love, your love finds me. It always finds, I heard the Lord say, I'm always going to find you no matter where you go. You can go to the ends of the earth. I will find you there. I'll be waiting on you there. I knew God was right there at that moment to meet me and begin to talk to me about my heart. How did I get on that, Lord? (laughs) Anyways. I don't know why I got on that. Help, Lord. Yeah, it must be. Yeah, there you go. I wanted to read this one anyway. Anyways, okay, let me just say this. Gospel Luke. They, if you put all these Gospels together, you get a good picture of Jesus. You really do. It really reveals things about Him. It reveals his heart, but you can't, oh, yeah, one stream, no, thank you. I'm just trying to figure out what you was talking about. I said it. I'm brilliant, man. Just brilliant. Anyway, God began to really speak to me out of the gospel of Luke. And I want, just let me just read the Second Corinthians 3.18 just for the fun of it. How about that? Uh, so all of us who've had that veil removed, that's the veil that, on our hearts before we're saved that's removed at salvation can see and reflect the glory of the Lord and the Lord who is the spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed in his glorious image here's what I wanted to say is the gospels have power inherent power to do just that do you hear what I'm saying to you they have inherent power in them When we begin to read them, we begin to let them get into our spirit, they will change you into that person you're reading about. And you'll begin to see this person. And as you see him, as you see that part of him, it will begin to work in your heart. And that part of him will begin to emerge in your heart. And you'll begin to demonstrate his character, his desires, his things. Are you following that? Is anybody following that? So here's what the Gospel of Luke is. It's it's a little different because it's a chronological account of Jesus, his life. It really focuses on practical things. That's important. He talks more about women and children in that Gospel than all the other Gospels. Okay? The first four chapters all the way up to what I just read to you are all about Jesus' birth, his early childhood. It's all about his life, his practical, everyday life of what it gave us. It wasn't about his spirituality. It was about this boy that was born, this child that was born and grew up and did this little boy who did these things, who ran off, you know, and got into the temple and started talking and, you know, and his family was concerned about him. Isn't that amazing? His family was concerned. He's trying to show us this practical life that these people lived with this boy and all that's so important to God it's so important to him you know what we did up here this morning was is important to him this is important stuff it really is you think oh he's just going through a ceremony it's really important to God because God cares about that kind of stuff He cares about our natural, practical life. So he also, you know, his genealogy um, goes all the way back to Adam versus going back to Abraham. He goes all the way back to Adam. And that's what that gospel is, Jesus the Son of Man versus John, Jesus the Son of God. It's like the Son of Man is emphasized, the man of Jesus, the man, the man. And so he talks a lot in there about what Jesus did for people practically. Okay? Let me read this little story to you. Um, Okay, are you all right? 
You look real old. <laughs> y'all are, y'all are daggone scary people. <laughs> There's a story. Uh, everybody knows this story, probably, if you're a Christian, about the Good Samaritan. I mean, that's just a, con- a lot of people in the world know about the Good Samaritan. Here's the story. I'll tell you just a little bit. There was a man who was robbed, okay? He was a Jewish man. And the robbers beat the fire out of him, hurt the man, almost killed him, left him on the side of the road to die, took his stuff and took off. Uh, a Levite came by. Y'all know what a Levite is, right? He was a priest that they ministered to the Lord and went on to the other side of the road. Then a priest, you know, which would be the leaders, came by, went on to the other side of the road. Left the man laying there in a pool of blood dying. Now that really says something. Okay? Y'all hear what it's saying? Because we're, we're the Levites. We're the priests. Then a, let me just read this part. I'm going to, then listen to this, verse 33. A despised Samaritan because they were despised by the Jewish nation, because they were a mixed group of people, and they did bad worship, bad theology, bad everything. Jews would walk miles to keep from walking through the city of Samaria, to walk around it to get where they need to go, miles extra, because they didn't want to get defiled by the despised people. This despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, Take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, tell me. Where was the supernatural healing there? There was not a supernatural healing there. There was a man who took care of a man on a very natural, practical level. This is the gospel. And Jesus said that man was justified. Now, that doesn't mean we don't believe in the supernatural. I mean, we always want the supernatural first, right? But there's this other whole realm day in and day out that the gospel of Luke brings out to us that we need to be doing stuff like this. And if we are not doing stuff like this, we are leaving part of the gospel out. We are not fulfilling. I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm just telling you what God's been talking to me about all this year. Okay? When he told me, you need to quit drinking out of that stream over there let's drink out of this stream for a while because you need to you need to get some things well uh you know about 13 years ago i figured it out gosh it was 13 years ago i heard uh hi remember y'all this this lady uh heidi baker who's a famous missionary well we heard her becky and i went and heard her that was the first time we ever heard her like speak before we'd heard all the great stories of heidi baker mainly all the supernatural stuff which again I love all that. So we go, and she actually gave a message out of the Good Samaritan, and it was like the most hilarious message ever, but it was a very uh, convicting message. Um, and at the end of her message, well, I didn't really feel real convicted, to be honest with you. But somehow, when she was sharing all this, I knew that God was trying to say something to me. I felt it. And at the end of her message, I don't know if you remember this, I, she had this altar call. And I said, Becky, how could we not respond to this altar call? How could we not respond to this altar call? So we stood up to respond, and I don't remember exactly what her altar call was specifically about, but I do know this today that I didn't know then. It's when I stood up, God gave me an impartation. I know that today, that there was an impartation that came into my life that has something to do with the anointing of the gospel of Luke. 
And over the years, that thing has really grown in me and grown in me and grown in me. And it's something that's coming out from the inside of me. And what I begin to really realize is that there's this, this drive in God's heart, this passion in God's heart for poor people, for sick people, for people who are bound and people who are imprisoned. And, and He wants us to do something about it. And He don't want us just to pray for them. He may want us to get the oil and the wine, the medicine, the medicine, and pour it in their wounds. He may want to take us to take money out of our pocket to make sure they're taken care of. Are you following me? Y'all don't like this message, do you? Mm-mm, I know you don't. Let me read this. I'm going to, I'm going to, I got this little thing I'm going to tell you at the end, though. It's going to be good. Uh, let me read Luke 6, chapter, chapter 6, verse 20 through 21. Uh, this is Jesus, y'all know the Sermon on the Mount? Everybody loves that Sermon on the Mount, right? You know, blessed, blessed, blessed. Matthew's version in Matthew 5 is the most known one. Well, Luke has a version. They don't actually call it on the Sermon on the Mount. They call it the Sermon on the Plain. <laughs> Isn't that funny? It was a mountain. No, it was a plain. Oh, it was a king's on a mountain. No, a man's down in the plain. You get that? If you don't, okay. <laughs> Matthew, Jesus is king. The king's on a mountain. Luke, Jesus is a man. He walks down here on the earth with everybody else. He lives as a man. Are y'all getting all that? See, that's, that's all those are things that God has thrown out there at us to give, help us get stuff. Well, this is what he said. Uh, Jesus turned to his disciples and said, God blesses you who are poor for the kingdom of God is yours. What does Matthew say? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Right? You, do you see the difference there? Luke is saying, no, we're not talking about the people who are spiritually busted. We're talking about the poor people of the earth. Are y'all following this? Well, you say, which one's right? Both. They're both right. Jesus goes after the poor in spirit. He's also going after the poor. Are y'all following this? It's really important. And then he said in verse uh, 21, God blesses you who are hungry now. What does Matthew say? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Luke is focusing on natural hunger. People who are hungry That's who God wants to touch. Not just people who are spiritually hungry. That's powerful. And when we begin to really see that part of Jesus, I'm not saying that's all of Jesus' heart because there's definitely that whole spiritual side. But there is that part of Him. And see, I think that's where we go wrong sometimes in the church. We become so focused on on our, our world, our, our music, our ministry, our this, our that. And God loves all that. But he also loves those broken, poor people. And he's concerned about them. And he's looking for people who have a heart for them because he had a heart for them. Let me read one more story. Uh, this is, there was this, this banquet this guy gave. Pretty big banquet. You know, Party. Invited all his friends and neighbor people who had money, and and then the story goes like this. Then he turned to his host. When you put on a luncheon or a banquet, he said, "Don't invite your friends, brothers, relatives, and rich neighbors, for they will invite you back, and that will be your only reward." Note what he said: "That will be your only reward. They'll invite you back and feed you a nice meal." That's a good reward. But that, don't, that would be bad if it's your only reward. You know, Jesus does, do, does he, he gives rewards. Y'all know that, right? People who say he don't reward is not really knowing him. They're not knowing the Bible. He rewards. He's big into it because he likes it. He loves it when he sees himself in people. He acknowledges it. Instead, listen, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. Then at the resurrection of the righteous, God will reward you for inviting those who could not repay you. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? 
So there's like three examples of the, the gospel of Luke. Uh, in my mind, what Luke does, he shows the Father's heart for the poor. He shows the Father's heart for people who are destitute and broken in life. He shows the Father's heart better, better than any of the other gospels, really, for the natural. Well, this brings up a lot of questions and a lot of problems, okay? At first, just let me say, I, don't, I just want to encourage you, if you struggle in your Christian life and you are consumed by self-interest, what God has called you to do can become a self-interest. And what you are doing can become a self-interest. Is if you would open your heart up and begin to look around you for the poor, for the lame. When you hear of somebody who's sick in the hospital, if you go to them and see them. See, that's the kind of Christianity God's looking for in the earth. He's just not looking for us to live inwardly and have our beautiful spiritual lives. He's looking for us to do some practical things and some natural things. And if you begin to do that, there will be a satisfaction and a joy that will come into your heart that will begin to shift your life. That was the key, I think, with this guy, Suppressor. It's very big on not only praying for the sick, but visiting the sick and being with the sick and helping the poor when he was a poor man himself. And he had this amazing joy on him, this amazing joy. So that's really good, but that really is sort of not the whole complete thing here. Um, so can I be really like, I think I've shared a little bit of this with you if, if I haven't, or if this is repeat, just forgive me. So, um, I had this thought that come to me that uh, I wanted to help people who are here in the United States illegally. Okay? I thought, I want to help them. But I don't want to just help them, like, give them some food. I mean, I want to do that. I want to do something even better. I want to help them become legal so they can become productive citizens of the United States of America. So I asked this one illegal guy I know. Well, huh? Illegal. He's an illegal as far as the government's concerned. Like, dude, why? And I was talking to this guy because I said, you have a call on your life. You've got a very powerful call on your life. But your call is limited because you are here illegally and you live in constant fear. You, you live in fear. You get in your car every morning with knowing there's a possibility that you will not see your family that night because you will be, be arrested and sent to prison or sent back to where you came from. I said, you need to, you need to get legal. He said, I can't. I said, why can't you? He said, I don't have the money because it's going to cost me between six dollars and $10,000 to get. I thought, yeah, that's what I thought. Well, that's ridiculous. We're going to fix this. We're going to do something about this. I'm going to, I'm going to start a ministry. I'm going to get some lawyers that love the Lord, that have a heart for this, and they are going to, we're going to help these people where they don't have to pay 6000 or $10,000. We're just going to do that. So I called a friend of mine who's an attorney who also just happens to love the Lord and has a lot of experience ministering to illegal people. <laughs> He's done it. And I was telling him my dream. He said, Byron, that's just great. That's amazing. But don't waste your time. That's what he said to me. He said, you can't do it. We've already tried. It's impossible. With the way the way the laws of this government of this land's written, you don't have the money, you don't have the resources. I don't have the skill as an attorney to even do it. It takes a special kind of an attorney to figure out and get through this maze of madness. Well, I mean that he said, you know what you need to do, Byron? Just just be a mercy ministry. That's all you need to do. Just do that. And I just thought, God, I just want to do that. I don't want to just do mercy. I want people's life to be changed. That's what you did, Lord. You changed their life. You changed people's life. You changed my life. I want to give them the chance that I've got. And part of that, that we need to fix their situation where they won't get 
tall off. But I can't do it. So it really bummed me, to be honest with you. It bummed me like, okay, well, I'm just not doing any of it then. That was sort of, I ain't doing this. I'm forgetting it. Forget it, Lord. Forget the gospel of Luke. I'm out. I'm going back to the gospel of John. I can do the gospel of John. I've figured out the spiritual. I can do that. But I can't do this other thing. And so I kind of shut down on it for a few months. And the Holy Spirit didn't shut down on it, though. You know what? Like I said, you go, okay, you go right ahead to that old dried up brook. I've dammed it up. Go drink out of the gospel of John for a while. You're going to be drinking sand, son. This is your watering hole right now, and you better drink it and drink it deep. So I went back to it because he was right. So what I wanted to tell you this is, you know, to do what the Gospel of John tells us to do, encourages us to, and wants, and what God wants us to, it's just, it's just messy. It's a big mess. It's a disaster. Okay, it is impossible. It's impossible. It's heartbreak. It's get your fingernails dirty. Impossibly, it's not going to work. It's a good possibility it's not going to work. It's a good possibility you're not going to really be able to help the people you really want to help. It's a good possibility they might use you and abuse you. It really is. You know, I think Jesus probably knew that well. So, what I came to the conclusion was, was this, though. This is brilliant from the Lord. Is He reminded me of the what and the how. Remember that I told you all about that? God, our job is the what. This is what you need to do. Okay? My job, Jesus' job, is the how. If you will just do what, I'll take care of the how. I'm the how. So, I asked the Lord... How do you do this, Lord? Tell me how to, how to minister to the poor. Tell me how to do it. This is what he showed me. I want you to go back to Luke 4, 18 and 19, just for a second. Are you all with me? Yeah. Lord, I'm about to get done. That makes you happy. Listen to this. I want you to read this very first part, verse 18. Listen, listen really careful to me. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for He has anointed me you hear that the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me as far as we know Jesus never did one miracle never fed one poor person never visited one person in the hospital until this time forward until the spirit of the Lord came on him, and the Spirit of the Lord anointed him. Now, what I'm telling you is the how. You may not like this how, but it is God's how. It was Jesus' how. Is we need the Spirit of the Lord. We need the anointing. Whether you think you need an anointing or not, you need an anointing. No matter what you're doing in the kingdom, if you don't have an anointing, you're going to fail bad, worse than you would if you do have it. I'm not saying anointing keeps us from failing because a lot of anointed people fail. But the anointing will give you success. Now, hang on. So, you know, does this make y'all happy? I mean, that's one of the most liberating thoughts on the planet to me because I went from all high hopes to all despair to like, wait a minute, there's a way. I don't know what the way is, but I know who the way is. I know there's an anointing that God wants me to go after. There's an anointing that God wants you and I to go after. He don't want us to go out and get some program started to go, we're going to go feed the poor. We're going to go hire a bunch of lawyers. We're going to go do all this. No, He wants us to seek this anointing. Listen to this, y'all. I'm telling you, this is the truth. Every one of the Gospels and the book of Acts has a version of the Great Commission. Every one of them. Most people know Matthew's version. Go into all the world, make disciples of all nations. But that's an important term because it doesn't read that way, but it's really nations. Right? 
We know that one really well because that's sort of ingrained in the Christian. And it's beautiful. I love it. But listen to Luke's. Listen to Gospel of Luke's version of the Great Commission. Okay? Luke 24, verse 49. And now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. That's Luke's. So Luke starts out. Let's get this. I want you to put, give you the big picture. Luke starts out with Jesus giving his mission statement. Jesus begins his mission statement by saying, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me. And then he talks about all this blind, poor, crippled, oppressed, messed up people. He tells people to go get those people. Don't just bless your friends. Bless the poor. He gives us an example. The bad guy, the despicable guy, he's the one who in God's eye was a blessed versus the mighty priest. He gives another version of the Beatitudes to talk directly about humanity's broken and desperate condition. And then he ends the gospel of Luke by saying, and this is how you do it. You do it the way I did it. Are y'all following this? He's not asking you and me to go and do a bunch of stuff that we can't do that's impossible. But he is asking us to get this anointing on our life. He's asking us to get the Holy Spirit to come on us and anoint us to do this. And if, we'll, if that'll happen, we'll be able to do these things. We'll be able to do whatever he's called us to do. If it's, you know, get lawyers, we'll have an anointing to get them. We'll have wisdom to get them. It's everything. The whole gospel of Luke rests on this anointing. The whole ministry to the poor, ministry to the homeless, ministry to sick, all rest on the gospel, on the, on the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know about you, but that's good news to me. Because I feel like God is saying, uh, you know, y'all know that. I think it's uh, Matthew 25. Oh, in the end, he's going to separate the sheep goat nations from the goat nations. Remember that story? Y'all remember that, right? Uh, here's the sheep. You fed me when I was hungry. You gave me water when I was thirsty. You visited me when I was sick. You gave me clothes when I couldn't afford to buy any. When did we do that to you, Lord? To you, if you've done it to the least of any of these. You've done it to me. And then you have, on the other hand, you guys are goats. Why are we goats? Because you didn't do those things. You did not do them. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you, this is serious what I'm talking to you about. This is something that, from an eternal perspective, when we stand before the Lord, this will be an issue. This will be a question that He's going to bring to us. And I feel like God is bringing that to us. I feel like He's offering us an anointing. I feel like He's offering us the power of God. Okay, to do these very things. He's not asking us to do them apart from that. In fact, he says, don't you dare. Don't be so foolish. But if you will allow this anointing to come on you, and if you'll kind of pull on this anointing, if you can begin to pursue this anointing, it'll come because it's part of Jesus' huge heart for humanity. And for, as far as God's concerned, you know, if we take somebody and go buy them their, their prescription medicine, as far as he's concerned, you just you did as much as laying hands on them, seeing the supernatural healing as far as he's concerned. He's just as happy. He's just as blessed. And I think we really have to really ask ourselves about this. And, you know, so amen. That's good, isn't it? Yeah. How do y'all like that, man? I mean, that's just amazing. How, isn't the Lord good? So let me tell you. That's the what. Well, I gave you the what. That's the what. That's, that's a what God wants to really impart to us. And, I mean, you know, it's not like we haven't done any of that. We have been doing it. I just feel like God wants us to do more. I feel like he wants to do more. You know, I really do. 
I was thankful, you know, when I was thinking about hearing that message that Heidi Baker shared, that I was really able to receive an impartation off that message. And it took some years for it to begin to really take form in my life. And that was the Lord. It was a timing thing for him. And it can be like that. You know, this is a no pressure. This is a choice that we can make today, okay, to say yes to the Lord. Um, you know, and get that anointing, man. I'm just saying yes to the anointing. Well, I had a dream this week that was pretty vivid, and I feel like it just really applies, and it kind of exposes me, so, but in the dream, um, okay, you want to, yeah, go ahead, I had a dream that I felt, that applies, Um, I was still in Italy, walking down a road, and um, I was getting with the Lord. And someone directed me into a church. And it was like there was a confession time going on in there. And as I walked down the road, the Lord had revealed a couple of things to me that I needed to deal with. And the first thing was um, it was busyness. Y lo primero que me dijo fue estar siempre ocupada. And the second thing was lack of empathy. Y lo otro fue no tener empatía. For things going on around me. Por las cosas que estaban ocurriendo alrededor mío. And those were the two things. Y esas son las dos cosas. So I go into this confession session that's going on. Yo, I, I think it's going to be Catholic. Yeah. Entré en lugar, una iglesia católica donde había un tiempo de confesión. But it wasn't. It was people sitting in a circle. Pero no era. Era gente sentada en un círculo. And basically confessing. Y básicamente estaban confesando. Not, not religious at all. No era algo religioso. And it got to a man that was a homosexual. Y llegó a una parte donde había un hombre homosexual. And he was so broken. Y él estaba tan roto. Because he was dealing with that sin. Porque él estaba lidiando con este pecado. And um, it made me really have empathy. Y me dio mucha empatía hacia él. In the dream. En este sueño. For the real struggle that that can be. la lucha que esto puede ser. Um, but I feel like the Lord is speaking this morning. Yo siento que el Señor está hablando en esta mañana. That our busyness que nuestra actividad and being absorbed in our own lives y están tan absorbidos en nuestras propias actividades is the thing es la cosa that keeps us from seeing que nos, no nos permite ver the need around us la necesidad alrededor nuestro. Even with something like that aún algo como esto that we would tend to judge que normalmente tendemos a juzgar instead of seeing with the eyes of the Lord en vez de ver con los ojos del so Señor so I believe the Lord really is speaking I feel like yeah. I got clarity Señor, realmente está hablando says, amen amen can I say something else it's about the illegals oh. <laughs> and the anointing we have a group of people that have come in here, broken. I, no and I, my wife and I have no way to help them, except do what we can and pray and cry with them and hear their stories. I mean, stories that you won't believe that they go through. The Lord will just give us that anointing, the prophetic times to prophesy over them and believe with them and stand. And we have watched the Lord provide homes. We have watched the Lord open doors so that they can become legal and not be afraid anymore. Because the fear is holding them back to be who they are in the Lord. When you are under fear, it's a horrible thing. So as Byron says, it's really just realizing that they are with us and really have a heart from the Lord to minister right where they are. And then you might not be able to be the answer for that person, but Jesus is is the answer for that person. And the anointing that rests on you can set that person in a path. You know, but as Becky was saying, when we judge, we're acting on the opposite way of that anointing. We're not here to judge. We don't know what they've gone through. But the Lord has said, I brought you back all the way from South America to this place 
to minister to these people. Because they have an inheritance and something to release upon this nation. They will bring and usher revival to all the generations that are coming ahead of them. God has a purpose with them in here. And when they believe that, something is broken and God can do what you and I cannot do. And that's what I've seen. And this church has that anointing. This church, you and I carry that anointing. I want to say that because you and I have participated indirectly or directly through the ministry toward the poor and the Hispanics and the illegals. But I have watched the Lord turn their lives around and give them hope because that's who he is. And that's who you carry inside of you. So I just want to encourage you. This is what you preach today, Bart. It is the heart of the Lord for us. I'm telling you. Not only they have good food, they also carry an anointing. I was in a meeting where one of them got so touched by the Holy Spirit, she never had an experience before, and her hands were tingling and burning. She said, what do I do with this? I said, lay hand on the sick. She started laying hand, and people immediately were being healed and set free. Right then. I mean, I'm not talking where we go home. No, right then, the Lord was using this person. They have never been used in this way. So this church carries that anointing, yeah. We we do. And we should release it. And we should show it and have empathy and love our neighbor as ourselves. Right? So I think the Lord wants to release that by Yeah. So first we want to ask those who, when Becky shared that, about the the busyness. You're so busy, okay? Mm-hmm. Your life, you're consumed with, with you. What's going on with you? What's going on tomorrow at work? You know, your situation at home, your kid. I mean, all that's important stuff. But are you so busy that you can't really see what God's doing right in front of your face? Now, if that's you, stand up. Si tú eres esta persona que está muy ocupada y no puedes ver. the Lord, I, I repent. I'm sorry. La necesidad alrededor tuyo. Forgive, forgive me, Lord. Y pídele perdón al Señor. So I can begin to see again. Para que yo pueda ver otra vez. See what you're seeing, Lord. Para que yo pueda ver lo que tú ves. And hear what you're hearing, Lord. Y oír lo que tú oyes. Lord, I'm going to trust you. Voy a creerte a ti, confiar en ti. To show me what I need to see and let para, me hear what I need to hear, Lord. Para que yo pueda ver y oír lo que tú ves. So just release that anointing now, Lord. Suelta esa unción ahora, Señor. For seeing and hearing. Para poder ver y oír. Now also, if you're that person, you just feel like you got a hard heart. Si tú eres esa persona y tienes un corazón duro. Especially towards people, poor homosexuals. Especialmente hacia los homosexuales, whatever, los pobres, lo que fuera. Know, if you feel your heart has gotten hardened, and that's easy to do, y'all. Y esto es fácil you, see, hacer. you see some of the stuff that's going on out there, it's easy esto que to está get pasando, hard. Es fácil. But if that's your heart, let stand up and say, si Lord, este tu corazón, honesto, párate. I want a soft heart. Yo, dile al Señor, un corazón humilde, suave. Give me a soft heart, Lord. Give me un corazón tierno. Soften my heart with your tears, Lord. Señor, ablanda mi corazón con tus lágrimas. Because that's where you, your seeing really resides. It's in your heart. And when your heart gets hard, you really can't see. You can't hear. You know, there's a scripture in the Old Testament about breaking up the fallow ground. Fallow ground is, is, is ground that's been plowed. But it's set. Pero está ahí. And it gets hard just setting. Y, y se pone dura porque no se la usa. And the Lord wants to break up the fallow ground of our hearts el today. El Señor quiere volver a arar, a traer, remover eso. So that anointing can really flow. Para que esa unción pueda fluir. Thank you. I know it's getting late, but I just, gosh, you know when the Lord speaks to you, your heart just keeps pounding. Well, mine won't stop. <laughs> um, anyway, this kind of thing, man, it just... Gosh, it just brings me so much joy. And here I am crying. Um, I'm just going to read this off of my Instagram. And some of you might have heard this before, but it's so what the Lord's doing today. And I, and I just love this. Um, I, put, I noticed this chair as I pulled into the Walmart parking lot. 
a little disgusted because it was tipped over and obviously someone's discarded trash. Because of that chair, I met Reba. It was raining hard as I put my groceries in my car and then quickly jumped in to get... Oh, I need my glasses. That's why I can't see. <laughs> Sorry. Hold on. I was doing pretty good without them. Oh, there we go. Um... <laughs> um um, as I looked out my windshield, this older lady was walking towards the tipped-over chair. Wet chair, no umbrella, seemingly lost. She unsteadily picked up the chair and carefully sat down. Oh, goodness, why? I opened my door and asked if she was okay. She looked up, frightened and confused, got up and walked towards me. I was met by a scared woman who was truly lost. Her husband, her car, her memory... I reassured her that I would help her and not leave until we found him and be by her side. Then hand in hand, we walked through the parking lot, through the rain, searching for a tan car or bill. After much time, with her feet sore and a waning heart, I brought up the fact that the Lord was watching out for her. That joy, the joy filled my heart and filled hers as she told me she loved him too. We eventually found Bill, and I found a joy in being Jesus to a beautiful soul in need. Lift up your eyes. See who God is putting in front of you that needs whatever it is you have to give. Even in the rain, even if you're running late, even if dot, 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 the many reasons that flood your mind to just go on your way. People need each other. People need you, and people need Jesus. That's good, isn't it? Really good can be something that little but that profound. Let's ask for the anointing. Pidamos por la unción. Say Holy Spirit. Digamos Espíritu Santo. I want the anointing. Quiero la unción. Release it to me. Suéltala a mí. Let it flow in me. Dámela, Señor. Spirit of the Lord. Espíritu de Dios. Come on me. Ven sobre mí. Spirit of the Lord. Espíritu de Dios. The Lord. El Señor. When the Lord comes, Cuando he's the Lord. Viene, él es el Señor. Spirit of the Lord, come on me. El de Dios, ven sobre and anoint me too. Y yeah. To bring good news. I just want to give a confirmation to that. Dar una a este. Last Sunday, I saw this oil, live oil, Yo vi este aceite, el that was pasado, all the way through the sanctuary. Que aquí sobre este and I also been leading the meeting that Sunday. And I was trying to figure out whether I needed to share that or not or what, when I was supposed to do it. And the Holy Spirit was pretty clear not to do it then. But I didn't know when it was going to come up. But as Baron was preaching, I finally understood what that oil is. That's Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, while I was sitting there, the Holy Spirit said, that is called the activation oil. Because he, he wants to activate us. So that we can have that anointing, so we can see with, with the very eyes of Jesus. That we can feel the very heart of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So Byron already prayed for, but I just wanted to say that's another witness if you're looking for one. Este es otro testimonio. Ya oramos. All right, I'm going to release it. Byron said, release that. So Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, we just release that activation oil. Let it go deep in our hearts, Lord. Let it go deep in our souls, Lord. Let it go deep into our lives, Lord. Give us eyes to see. Give us ears to hear. And give us a heart of flesh, Lord. Just as you said in Ezekiel, turn the heart that senses your presence. Attend a heart that senses your thoughts. And a heart that perceives what is in the Father's heart. And a heart that perceives what is coming from heaven. And a heart that perceives what the Spirit is doing. And we all said, Amen. Amen. So, I know you guys have been here long, but if we can have the ministry team come up. If you need any prayer, los que necesitan oración Sickness, si están enfermos lo que Somebody sea agree with you. alguien que ore contigo Please avail yourself. 
Por favor, pasa aquí adelante. So I pray that the Lord will be with you. Oro que el Señor esté contigo. That His lovely face will shine upon you. Que su rostro brille sobre ti. Unending and limited grace will chase you. Y que su gracia te persiga. Amen. Amen. Amen.